Welcome to the LeafCast. Takes by Leaf, for Leaf. Yeah, I appreciate you listening to the show. Um, before we go any further, I want to give a special uh, shout out to one of my boys. Uh, we went to college together, been a good friend of mine for many years. Is um, tr- fighting some illness now. He's been sick. And, you know, again, I wish him uh, a speedy recovery. I know you're going to get on the other side of this, brother. And stay strong. So this episode is dedicated to you, and hopefully, you know, you'll get a couple of laughs while you are on the mend. So, it's Memorial Day weekend. 95,000 people have died thus far of COVID-19. The president is literally fighting his own infrastructure, his own administration in terms of the CDC, et cetera, as it relates to guidelines, reopening, et cetera. He's advocating for everything to be reopened, churches to be reopened, everything. So you can literally see the stories of spikes in areas that have opened up already, spikes in terms of um, people uh, being diagnosed with the disease. So it doesn't look good. You know, if you you put a recipe in, hey, we were staying inside because the disease was killing folk. Now we're deciding to go outside when there's no cure for said disease. And the only things you can do allegedly to protect yourself are to wear some gloves um, and put on a fucking mask and wash your hands. That's it. 95,000 people are dead. There is no cure. And all you have is a mask and some gloves. And yet people have rushed into the breach to risk death for, I don't even know. I guess the president said so. I guess you got tired of being at home, whatever. So I want to talk a little bit about Joe Biden here, but I think it's important to discuss Joe Biden in the context of, 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 of everything else that's going on. So you've got a disease that's spreading, actively spreading across the country. You have a president that's literally advocating people to go outside and risk their lives, taking pills and advocating for people to take uh, uh, pills that clearly do not work. And, you know, just, just doing all sorts of crazy things you got a president doing. You've got an economy which is literally flatlining. Um the predictions are that when we're done with this, if we are done with this at some point in time, over 25% of the American workforce will be unemployed. That's 25%. That's higher than the Great Depression. That's higher than 9-11. That's higher than 2008. So, it's just not good. Right? you got a president whose poll ratings are kind of plummeting. And now you've got Joe Biden. Joe Biden is the Democratic nominee for the president. This isn't Joe Biden's first rodeo. I mean, this isn't the first time that Joe Biden has ran for president. He's ran for president at least two times before this. Obviously, he did not win. But what you have in Joe Biden is a guy who's a gaffe machine, meaning he's prone to say stupid fucking things. He's not the first president or president nominee that has said stupid things or been prone to say stupid things. You know, George Bush, the second George Bush was, if you literally, if you if you asked him enough questions, the stupidity would reveal itself in probably about two, three minutes tops. 
Um, not a very smart guy. Ronald Reagan. I don't know whether Ronald Reagan was intelligent or not. I can tell you by the time of his second term, I'm pretty sure he had dementia. So he literally, no, they, Ronald Reagan, it was a great actor. Or, or, or great is not the word for it. I think he did a movie with some, a monkey or some shit. Ronald Reagan was an a actual actor, meaning he could recite lines. So at the end of Ronald Reagan's term, you can look it up. You can go to YouTube if there's still if there are videos of it. You know, Ronald Reagan would come out with he'd do press conferences, he'd do speeches, he'd have like what appeared to be, um, you know, an earpiece, you know, in his ear as a, you know it would almost like a, like a hearing aid, but it wasn't a hearing aid. It was literally them speaking into him, telling him what to speak into his ear remotely, telling him what the fuck to say. Because the guy was pretty much shot at that point in time. I mean, if you think about it, I think he was like 76, 77. I mean, he, he had some things going on. So now you've got Joe Biden. So it's like in boxing, right? If you're whooping the shit out of your opponent and you see he's about to fall or he's staggering, the best thing you can do as a boxer is not rush in, try to hit him some more, is move back. Give him some space and let him fucking fall. So if you're Joe Biden, the best thing you can do is literally move back out of the spotlight every time. I mean, literally, there's a reason why, if you recall, they used to do Trump used to do like these kind of two hour, you know, kind of, you know, impromptu kind of uh, speeches he do about the coronavirus. When it first started and we started doing stay at home orders, he would come out every day and he'd go just, you know, just talk, just say anything. And finally, people, you know, said, hey, you got to stop doing this. I think this is right about the time when he started telling people, you know, you can inject bleach into your body or you know, all this type of, type of ridiculous shit. And there's a, you know, that's too much, too much exposure for you. It's not a campaign rally. Stop doing that shit. But Biden, on the other hand, you know, certain people, even though he was, again, literally Biden is winning in the polls. Okay both nationally and in swing states, if you took a snapshot right now, he's winning. This election is not a referendum on Joe Biden. It is a referendum on Donald Trump. But there are people in Joe Biden's circle and there are certain Democrats that are so antsy by nature, right? You remember, these were the guys who would get upset and say, you know, oh, you know, there's too much infighting in the Democratic primary. I'm like, it's a primary. Multiple candidates are running. That's going to be contentious. Like, what kind of, what do you think is going to be a kumbaya? All the candidates get together and snuggle each other? I mean, you know, sometimes it's like hand-wringing for the sake of hand-wringing. But my point, just going back about Joe Biden is, Joe Biden was never the perfect candidate. Okay. Let's just be clear about that. Joe Biden is not charismatic. Um, again, he's not eloquent. Um, you know, he doesn't come across as a very learned person. But what he does come across as uh, as empathetic. So people thought the thought process, again, is if he just stays in his basement and every now and then he comes out, puts the mask on. You know, points and says, hey, you know, in January, I wrote an editorial in the Washington Post telling you motherfuckers stay inside. Shit's not cool. That's pretty much all he needs to do. So 
Joe Biden, again, just to go back to his history, this is a guy who previously, you know, ran afoul of um, plagiarism charges. This is a guy, when he ran against Obama in the primaries, uh, suggested that Obama was somehow the cleaner candidate, it was a clean candidate. I don't know what the fuck that meant. I mean, there's multiple things. I mean, you know, if you want to talk about the appropriate hugging, you know, whatever. He's got some shit, okay? He's not a perfect candidate. But again, you don't need to be a perfect candidate. And as I have said on this podcast before, I will vote for a potted plant before I vote to Donald, for, for Donald Trump. That's just true. So Donald Trump, excuse me, Joe Biden, again, with all these things we're talking about, he's winning in the polls. You know, he's, it seems like things are going his way. And he decides, hey, you know what? Let me make things more difficult for myself. So here's what Joe Biden goes on the air and says. He's doing an interview with a you know black radio show. And he says, quote, unquote, you got more questions. But if you tell me, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black, Biden said. Let me just read you back the quote that is created alleged controversy but if you tell me if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or for Trump then you ain't black Biden said okay there's two different things to dissect here first off I'm not enthusiastic about any white man telling me about any black person being black enough or authentic black or any of that type of shit okay I'm not here for it I'm not enthused by it. I don't find it funny. I don't take it seriously. But there is some truth to what Joe Biden said. Name me, and again, it's just a rhetorical, but name me one policy, one position that Donald Trump has taken to advocate for black folk. And if you want to talk about the fact that he released released some black dudes from jail because he listened to Kim Kardashian, I say fuck you. Now, I'm happy that those people were released from prison. Clearly, they were in prison longer than they should have been. But again, prison reform in and of itself doesn't mean shit. If there is no infrastructure for these people to come back to. Let me make sure I, I'm, 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 I'm clear about the point. You can free every nigga from prison. And if there ain't no jobs. If there ain't no opportunities for him to come or him or her to come back to. What the fuck is the purpose? And if in and of itself. The concept of freeing these folks and running on that is, to me, more offensive than Joe Biden telling you or telling people, hey, if you're voting for Trump, you're not black. And I guess the point would be, if you really wanted to take it out of the inarticulate mouth of a 70-year-old white man, which is, hey, what policy is Trump advocating for you? Does Trump want health care for you? Does Trump want to lower your taxes? Does Trump want to provide educational opportunity for African Americans? Jobs? Housing? Anything? So again, 
before black people get all up in arms, let's just be real about what's going on. And let's just talk about the, the Republican Party for a second. The Republican Party has been, I remember, they would used to say it, I hope they've stopped now. I've stopped listening to a lot of the key Republican talking points, but they used to come out with this saying, so, you know, black people should come back to the Republican Party. We are the party of Lincoln. Motherfucker, it's 2020. Like, if the if, if your biggest selling point is Lincoln, get the fuck out of here. Okay? Number one. So let's just start with that shit. But let's just talk about some greatest hits of black Republicans. But before we go there for a second, I want to just tell you, this is some of the hand-wringing that some of these, you know, again, look, there's a lot of black folk who are on MSNBC, uh, CNN, have, you know, blogs and talk shows and everything, who have, you know, made a lot of money talking about black causes. And I'm not mad about that. But some of this intellectual hand-wringing, get the fuck out of here. So I'm just going to use one to quote it in, in the article, but I'm sure there's more, and I'm not just picking on this one person. Here's a quote. It, came, it almost came across as if black people need Joe Biden more than Joe Biden needs black people, said Angela Ray, a former executive director for Congressional Black Caucus and a leading Democratic activist. This is a party that we've dedicated our lives and votes to, and we are tired of being taken for granted, treated as invisible, or being silenced. That's not what he said, Angela. Okay? It's not what he said. Relax. Fucking relax. It's not what he said. His point was, and again, I'm not here for a white man saying it, but his point is still valid. How much can you say you are a part of the black experience that you care about black folk if you are voting for Donald Trump, who has literally said he's good with the Klan. He is good with white supremacists, white nationalists, uh, uh, what do you call these, Nazis. He's good with all that shit. He told you this to your fucking face. So again, if the argument is, is Joe Biden a great guy? I don't fucking know. Is Joe Biden a racist? I don't fucking know. But I can tell you this. Joe Biden's policies are more geared towards black folks than Trump's could ever fucking be. One. And two, Donald Trump from telling, from calling African countries shithole countries, from telling you about white nationalism, he is telling you to your face, unless you can sing and dance and entertain him, he is not here for you, black folk. Unless you are an entertainer and you are somehow some type of, you know, a celebrity, he doesn't give a fuck about black folk. So, again, that's just that's just truth. Take it for what you will. And again, I would suggest for Republicans black Republicans, if any of these sentiments have offended you, then I guess the question is, what are you really offended by? 
So let's just take a walk down memory lane of some famous black Republicans. Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes ran for president of the United States in 1996, 2000, and 2008. So he ran three times, couldn't get enough. So <laughs> this is these are true Alan Keyes facts. In 2005, at the age of 19, Maya Marcel Keyes, which is Alan Keyes' daughter, came out publicly as a lesbian. At the time, Maya who identified as an anarchist, told the Washington Post her parents had thrown her out of the home, stopped speaking to her, and stopped paying for her education. Maya also started that her, that her family had taken these steps after she attended a demonstration uh, against President w. George W. Bush. Now think about this for a second. Alan Keyes, and I remember Alan Keyes being a dude who would be telling black folk to come back to the party of Lincoln I remember Alan Keyes. Alan Keyes, they treat Alan Keyes so badly. There'd be times when he would run for president. They wouldn't even let this nigga on the debate stage. This is a true story. They wouldn't even let him on the debate stage. Um, but he stayed like, again, like a, like a whip dog. You know, he stuck, stuck with the Republican Party. So much so, again, like in the story, like he found out his, his daughter came out as a lesbian. So first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that it wasn't a surprise to him, but he, his daughter publicly comes out, you know, protests uh, Bush, and he's like, fuck you, disowns his daughter. Okay, this is Alan Keyes. Now, let's go, let's keep on going. My man Herman King. Herman King ran for president in 2000. Herman King, there's some interesting thoughts about Herman King here. One, Herman King's platform was the 999 plan. Does anybody remember this? This was a 999 plan. So the plan was basically a 9% tax rate across the board. Uh, so it was 9% for commercial taxes, 9% industrial, 9% residential, uh, residential. It's 999. That was his plan. He ran on that platform. And he was doing somewhat well until people turned out, uh, people started doing research on uh, Herman Cain and his economic platform. And it turns out it was based off of SimCity 4. Okay, for some of you that don't know, SimCity is a computer, uh, it's a PC game, which lets you simulate kind of growing a world or a population. So you can set all these things from taxes and everything else, use a simulated game. His tax plan is derived off of the default tax rates that are in SimCity 4. First of all, Herman Cain is not an econo is not an economist. Okay, Herman Cain came from uh, you know the pizza business. So he was, he was Godfather Pizza. Before that, he was executive at uh, Burger King. So he was you know a fast food guy. Clearly, this wasn't something he woke up in the middle of the night and said, "No, no, no, no." Some white man told him that he would give Herman Cain money. To run for president in exchange for Herman Cain running for president, he would advocate for this 999 tax plan, which is really a fucking based off of a computer game. So straight up and down, that's what Herman Cain did. So let me just read you some other interesting facts about Herman Cain. 
According to the New York Times and Bloomberg News, at a November 7, 2011 press conference, a fourth woman, registered Republican Sharon Blyke, made allegations of sexual assault in Kane's car in the summer of 1997. At the, type, at the time, Blyke had recently lost her job at the National Restaurant Association where she had been a sub, so, subordinate of Kane's. And she was looking for assistance in either getting her job back or finding a new job. She alleged that following a dinner meeting to discuss her job search, Kane reached under her, scoop, under her skirt for her genitals and pushed her head towards his crotch. When she questioned his behavior, Bellick said that Kane replied, you want a job, right? So let's, let's go back for a second. The ball's on you, Herman Kane. This woman, uh, you know, Sharon Bilek, is a white woman. So, the balls on you, Herman Cain, to put this babe in your, you know, car, in your, in your limousine, grab her by the crotch, and try to push her head down for you to get your dick sucked. <gasps> I'm grabbing my pearls. Grabbing my pearls. My goodness, Herman Cain. <laughs> but this is true. Like this is Herman Cain. So before there was Trump talking about you could grab chicks by the vagina, there was Herman Cain acting on that shit in real time in his car. But this is not the best Herman Cain story. The best Herman Cain story comes from in an interview with Fox News in Atlanta. Ginger White offered details of what she said was a 13-year relationship with Cain sharing cell phone records that showed repeated calls and text messages from a number she said belongs to the presidential contender. So, Cain, Herman Cain, starts to do well, right? He's running in the primary. He's actually, and again, you know, it's a low bar, but compared to the cats he was running against, he was a much more articulate candidate. So when he would go out and do these debates, he starts picking up steam. He's telling these white folk what they want to hear. He's telling them how Obama ain't shit. You know, he's doing his thing. And they literally looked at him. There was a part of the Republican Party that said he could be our own Obama. Like we could get behind this guy. So then they start coming out with the stories, stories of grabbing chicks by the vagina, all this shit. And then the story finally is like the last, the nail in the, in the fucking coffin. This black woman comes out and she goes, I've been fucking Herman Cain for 13 years. And she's going through all this. I mean, she's airing out all the laundry. And you wanted to say to yourself, and part, first of all, the thing that always strikes me when I hear these stories is from the disgruntled mistress, or I don't know what, she, what the, or the telling mistress is. And every one of the stories, the mistress is acknowledging she's, I've been with this guy for 13 years. This dude was paying for shit. Okay. So I'm thinking to my mind, if somebody's paying your bills, right? I'm not even saying like you would think you wouldn't say shit, but I would just think first for your own personal perspective or, or, or just well-being, unless you had somebody else that was going to pay the bills, you'd probably be nice to the guy who's paying the bills. Like you wouldn't try to dime out the guy who's helping you with your bills unless somebody else was there to replace said dude. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. But she goes in on Her Herman Cain. That's not the funny part of the story. So again, the press then runs to Herman Cain and they come to Herman Cain. Herman Cain's in his office 
And, um, you know, he's now, he's on the defensive because it's like, you know, three or four women have come out and said he's, you know, sexually, because I guess he had actually settled a couple of these assaults, uh, excuse me, a, a couple of these allegations he had settled, you know, one for one where one, a woman got literally all of her pay and severance for a year. Um, I don't know what the fuck happened, but that's a lot of money to give somebody. So maybe something happened. Who knows? But now this is not, again, a claim of sexual assault. This is a claim of him having a 13 year relationship with a woman who is not his wife. So they're asking him about it. And Herman Cain says, I don't know this shit. I've never met this woman. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So they say Herman, but they have, you know, you know, they have all of these, you know, phone records of you calling the woman and he's like that's a lie i don't know who the person is whatever so then they literally give so again on the phone records the woman shows that there's a number that she purports to be herman kane that she'd been calling for 13 years the press is interviewing herman kane about this he is saying i don't know this woman i don't know shit about this and the press calls the number the reporter calls the number that the woman has given the reporter about Herman Cain and Herman Cain's phone starts to ring. <laughs> so these are the illuminary blacks of the Republican Party. I mean, we can go further. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's your favorite Supreme Court justice in mind. He's another illumin illuminary of the Republican Party. This is a dude who is alleged to have, you know, put pubic hairs on a Coke can. I don't know for some bizarre reason or some weird shit. I, 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 first of all, the concept about the, the the pubic hairs on the Coke can, I just want to, you know, you have to ask the dude, when did that shit ever work? Right? Because the whole point, I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I'm just assuming if you're trying to talk to a chick, you're trying to talk to her because you want to be successful and you want to, like, you know, consummate the relationship, for lack of a better term. So if you want to consummate the relationship, why would you think talking about pubic hairs on a Coke is the way to go? Like, I don't know. Maybe that's like some dirty talk to him, her that he and Anita Hell were getting into. Pubic hair on soda talk. I don't know his... My pubic hair on a Coke, show me your pubic hair on a Pepsi. I don't fucking know. But these are the illuminaries of the Republican Party as it relates to black folk. Um, there is a black uh, commentator. There used to be Stacey Dash. Stacey Dash is no longer on. There's a new black commentator. I don't know her name, but her makeup is very off-putting. It's almost as though her eyebrows are arching into her forehead. And between her eyebrows and her eye, there's some type of green or blue makeup that she puts on. It's very off. It's just off-putting. So they got her there. So that's the black Republicans. I know a dude, and I think, you know, maybe some of you in the audience may know people like this. I know a dude, black dude. And as he became to get became more and more successful in his career, he less and less really considered himself part of the black community. And I'm using those terms loosely. So much so that we were out once and he said to me, 
We had been drinking, so maybe the drinks were part of it. But he goes, I'm no longer a black person. And I said, what the fuck are you talking about? He said, I don't consider myself black. I'm just a human being. And there are a lot, not many, but there are instances of black folk reaching a certain status in society, whether through celebrity or financial wealth or a combination of the two, where they have made a determination that they have evolved and they are no longer black. They're just them. Think about that. That's, that's I mean, that's pretty much OJ. That's Tiger Woods. That's Michael Jackson. That's Amarosa. That's Diamond and Silk. There's black folk who believe that because they have been befriended by white people and they have come away with this. I'm past all that shit. I don't see race. I'm just a human being. You can call them whatever you want. You can call them coons. You can call them sellouts. You can call them whatever you want. But let me just say this. The term Uncle Tom isn't a term that I came up with. The term Uncle Tom didn't enter the vernacular last week. The term Uncle Tom has been around since slavery. So let's just talk about this for a second. And it's true. And sometimes we have a hard time acknowledging or identifying just objective facts. White people got in boats, got in ships, sailed over to Africa and entered into the slave trade. It is a fallacy to think that white people went into Africa, grabbed some niggas, put them on a boat, and that was it. Black people sold black people to white slave traders. Let me go back and make sure that we all are 100% on this point. Black folk, Africans, sold other Africans to white people. And in some respects, that is the genesis, or not the genesis, well, maybe it is, in terms of some of the issues that always exist between Africans and African Americans. A lot of times, and you, you know, you, you hear again anecdotally, oh, you know, these Africans think they're better than us. Well, they sold you. So, I don't know. What do you think? And I'm not, again, I'm not here to impugn Africans. I'm just telling you truth. And I'm not suggesting that every African, you know, or, or, or was a direct lineage of blacks who sold other blacks. But what I'm saying is, since the beginning of black people's interaction with white folk, there's always been a coon. There's always been an Uncle Tom. There's always been one. You don't believe me? Let's just walk through some things for a second. This is real talk. You know, think about this for a second. Malcolm X was shot by black people. These are, I mean, I, I'm not... I, 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 <laughs> let me just read you some things. Um, Martin Luther King, 
must have imagined that the man with the camera so often at, the, at his side during no more than recording his history. But it has been revealed that Ernest Withers, who was on hand to capture King riding newly desegregated buses, and the shock of the federal and, and the shock of the civil rights leaders' allies admitted after his murder he was also an FBI informant. So just to go back, they were FBI informants within Martin Luther King's circle. They were FBI informants within Malcolm X's circle. They were FBI informants within the Black Panthers. And when I say FBI informants, I mean black folk. Niggas have turned on niggas since the beginning of time. So, the question is, as we take this full circle, I'm not saying if you are a Republican, you're an Uncle Tom. I'm not saying that. I know black Republicans. I've had conversations with black Republicans. But actually, I've not really conversed with any black Republicans post-Trump. But pre-Trump, I've talked to them, and they kind of give you the same things, um, self-empowerment, uh, lower taxes, you know, the government doesn't need to give us stuff, it makes us lazy, we should do stuff on our own. And hey, look, if you want to tell me there's some ways to revise welfare, welfare reform, I'm with you for those discussions. I mean, I'm not here to cut anything, but if there's ways that we can make the program, you know, improve on those programs, I'm fine. I'm, I'm down with that. There are ways I'm sure to improve Medicare, Medicaid. But when you talk, when you start talking about cutting those programs, you've lost me. So there were some political things that I just in theory never agreed with as it relates to black Republicans. But now that you have got this president who is referred to my blacks, shithole countries where black people come from, you know, basically advocated for Nazis and Klanmen. And now you're still advocating for this dude and you want to get mad and get upset and clutch your pearls because Joe Biden, of all fucking people, said if you ain't voting for me, you ain't black. Or if you're voting for Trump, you ain't black. Look, look. I'm not here because here's the problem. Just to go back. Here's the problem with black folk who think that somehow magically they have transcended race and now they are just themselves. That shit only works as long as white people allow it to work. So, Tiger Woods. If you think Tiger Woods was driving around in the hood of Queens, so he's in Queens. He's driving out, you know, in a 7 Series BMW in Queens. You think the police would stop him? Now, after they stopped him, they realized it was Tiger Woods. Maybe he could let him go. But my point is, you think they would stop him? Too many times, these black folk who think that they are no longer black folk and they are evolved, come to realize that, oh yeah, you was always a nigga. <laughs> you just didn't think you was a nigga. The white people knew you was a nigga. They just enjoyed your company. 
But don't get it twisted. I mean, and you can see the hurt in their eyes and their expression. I remember the quote is many, many years ago. This is like, again, you know, Michael Jackson had gone through all this. And this show is not about Michael Jackson. But you got to remember the certain things about Michael Jackson. Number one, number one, Michael Jackson's from Gary, Indiana. Okay? He's from the fucking hood. If you ever go, I mean, I, I, look, Gary, Indiana, it doesn't get any blacker than Gary, Indiana. Okay? So all that talking like in a high-pitched voice, that's all an act. That's some bullshit. He didn't talk like that in real life. That was shit that he did. That was an affect that he carried around for whatever psychological things that were going on in his fucking mind. Who fucking knows? But at a certain point in time, you know, he kind of bleached his skin and went on the whole, doesn't matter if you're black or white. And, you know, this, you know, he he, he got that OJ bug and, hey, I'm no longer a black person type of thing was going on with him. When they arrested that nigga, for fucking around with them kids. And he went on 60 Minutes. And he's talking to Ed Bradley. And he's still talking in this bullshit affect of sounding like a little girl. A little little five-year-old boy. Whatever that shit is. He goes, the white people are racist. Now, I can't do a good effeminate Michael Jackson impersonation. But my point is, this motherfucker... Finally realize, like, oh, I'm still a nigga. Yes, dum dum. Yes, you are. You're just like the rest of us. So, look it. We are now entering into like just a crazy time. People are out there running around thinking that somehow sunlight, bleach. And a, you know, and a mask is going to save you from, con- you know, contracting a disease that is proved to be deadly. Um, I wish everybody, hopefully you are safe and you are situated and you are continuing to quarantine. But as I close every show, stay safe. Stay situated. Stay calm. Stay positive. Peace.